I'm Steve Backshaw, and you're listening to the Aussie Wildlife Show. All right, guys, welcome to the Aussie Wildlife Show. Adrian here, and I'm here, of course, with Steve. G'day, guys. And we're very lucky today to have with us Zach Bauer, Venom Supervisor at the Australian Reptile Park. G'day, mate. Hey, man, how are you going? Very well, thank you. And we're in probably what is one of the most dangerous rooms in Australia right now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, most definitely. We're currently surrounded by coastal taipans and uh, eastern browns, so you're second and third most toxic snakes on the planet. Why do you have so many of these snakes here? Uh, so we're the sole supplier of terrestrial snake venom for the uh, Australian anti-venom program. So uh, it's basically a fancy way of saying nobody else is stupid enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody gets bitten by a snake, the anti-venom would, would have come from a facility like this? Yeah, so uh, the, the venom for the anti-venom program uh, comes from here. So uh, if you're bitten in Tasmania, Cape York, Western Australia, dead centre, the product that will save your life originates here. So we don't produce anti-venom on site. We produce the raw material, which is your, your snake venom. And then we send it down to a place in Melbourne um, called BioCSL or Sequius, and uh, they do all the smart stuff. How do you get into this line of work, mate? Uh, last job available at the Reptile Park. <laughs> 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 no, I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid. Like, my dad used to bring me to the Reptile Park once a fortnight minimum. We'd come up and we'd get the little vouchers out of the entertainment books and all that, and we'd be up here, and I'd be hassling the Venom Keeper at the time, talking to him and being that little pain in the ass kid. And uh, it's, it's basically all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I've changed a lot over the last couple of years, especially um, getting into the role that I'm currently in. So I started as a volunteer, or started as a work experience, then volunteered, then casual, then uh, yeah, moved up into the Venom program when I saw my opportunity. You look at these animals as animals to be appreciated. Oh, they're absolutely incredible. Um, whether you look at them just as an appearance-wise, some of the venomous snakes are the most gorgeous animals on the planet. Your eastern browns, like everyone just assumes it's a, it's a dull brown colour, but you can get them like banded, you can get them uh, speckled, like they're absolutely incredible. Uh, we've got one up behind me that looks like salt and pepper, like it's just, it's amazing looking. Uh, coastal taipans, by far my favourite, they're just a perfect animal, whether you go head shape, uh, fangs to the other teeth in the head, like they're just absolutely incredible animals to look at. And like you can see a real intelligence in the uh, the venomous snakes. Like a lot of people, especially people who aren't into reptiles, don't see snakes with any sort of intelligence or uh, personality or anything like that. You got to work with them for a couple of days, and you can see that some of them are lining you up, or some of them are just watching you a bit more intently and learning. And yeah, it's pretty scary sometimes, but um, it's just incredible to see that. You were telling us earlier that some of these snakes yield a lot more venom than the average snake, and you actually want that to be the case. Yeah, yeah, so uh, <laughs> sounds a bit weird, get the most toxic snakes in the planet and then make them give more venom. But uh, the reason being, if we can keep less snakes in this facility and produce the same amount of venom, we'll keep the, the less snakes. So you don't want 100 calm ones, you want 25 psycho ones, which will give you tons of venom. Reason being that if you look at it statistically, uh, eventually a, a handyman or a carpenter is going to smack their thumb with the, with the hammer. If he's only doing... 10 or 15 hits with a hammer every year like that's it's less chance of him doing it if uh currently with the 250 snakes we have in the facility i'm looking at handling about 50,000 times a year so 50,000 times is a snake that's got an opportunity to bite me if you then double the collection you're looking at 100,000 to 150,000 times so you, we're trying to limit the amount of time or the opportunity for a snake to do it in saying that if you've got really calm ones you get complacent and you go oh it's just old bob he would never bite. He wouldn't hurt a fly. A butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Where you've got 25 psychos, which will give you the most uh, most amount of venom. You're always cautious with him. You're always very aware. 
Um, your reaction times happen to be that little bit faster because you're a little bit adrenaline and you, you're not kind of you're not settled or you're not kind of complacent at all. So that's it's it's better in the long run to have naughty snakes than it is to have really calm and chilled ones. It tends to to end up having less mistakes made. Yeah, I guess if you're if you're on it because that snake is completely on it, then then you're gonna have less. Yeah, you're gonna have less chance. Mm. But um, yeah, that sounds scary. So you you literally like keep an eye on how much if you get a snake which seems to produce a lot of venom, you would probably breed from that snake to try and get snakes that are going to give you even more venom oh yeah for sure the general idea is you find your two most psychotic snakes that give a lot of venom you put them together and hope for the best and the absolute worst comes out (laughs) so uh, we've done that to the point where we've perfected it and uh yeah whether that's good or bad thing like you'd hate for uh good in some ways but crazy as hell in others (laughs) yeah yeah it doesn't seem to make sense if you uh, if you look at it from a bite perspective it'd be a very very bad time like some of our snakes are giving four five times the average yield so like you can imagine that in a in a medical kind of look. It's a very bad time. Yeah, it's a good plan though. I, I like the, uh, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, it is a great end product because I'm all for handling as little as possible with yeah, yeah. things like that. And we've got fairly strict rules in here where if, if a snake's not working for you, you've got three goes at it and then you leave it alone. Uh, what we tend to find is um, if you give it a couple of goes and it's not working, you get frustrated, you get kind of oh come on the snake gets agitated and that's where things go wrong so you go three times you're like buggy you can stay in there for a half hour Mm. and you move on to the next one like there's always other work to do i'm very lucky here as well uh i've got a very good relationship with management to the point where if if you come in you're not feeling well you've had a really bad night's sleep or you've got stuff going at home you go hey i'm not i'm not doing tie pants today and they go yeah right here paperwork day like you have to have that relationship with your bosses like that in saying that you can't take advantage of that either mm. yeah that would be every day of the week for me yeah yeah oh, <laughs> sorry man I'm just not feeling <laughs> yeah, up to it right. yeah. as much as I like playing with snakes <laughs> no but it's like it's it's a really good thing to have and it's good to to know that your bosses have that faith in you yeah. to go that like if you're not feeling up to it yeah and like I, I've known I've known of people getting bitten like in other facilities and or in other like in private sector and like you have a bad feeling for that day and like I was with a mate who got a fairly severe bite, and uh, like in the morning he woke up, I'm like I just feel weird today. Like it doesn't feel right. And then he just kept pushing through and kept pushing through, and ended up having a very bad day. Mm. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that's kind of if you're not feeling it, you kind of go, oh, you do the easier ones, or you do the the non extreme caution snakes, or you do your paperwork for the day, or processing, or something like that. But yeah, it's really important to to be in that kind of mindset at all times. Very sensible. It is very sensible. And in fact, Tim told us a story. We talked, obviously, interviewed Tim Faulkner earlier about a video that he saw of you. <laughs> do you can you tell us about that? Basically, uh, I was talking about diving, and because I do a bit of free diving and spearfishing and stuff uh, on my weekends, away from venomous snakes, you play with sharks, but. Um, we were diving out off uh, Southwest Rocks, like talking 18 k's offshore, so you, you can't see land um, out on the fad. So it's basically a buoy out in the middle of nowhere that attracts fish, and you go jump in the water, crystal clear. And anyway, we saw this tiger uh, tiger shark coming in, um, and he's doing kind of real uh, broad broad uh, sweeps of his tail and almost checking us out. And at the last kind of 10 metres, he just boosted in real hard. And uh, me and a mate back like back to back almost and just kept pushing him away, kept pushing him away, screaming for the boat. But um, like in that situation, you can't panic, you can't run, you have to kind of stand your ground and just kind of like keep looking at him and keep focusing on him. And they tend not to like it if you swim at him. So we swam as hard as we could at the shark and he kind of took a double take and 
took off for a couple of minutes and we were able to bail into the boat and then it was uh it was pub time so <laughs> wow you deserved it yeah and then I, I i showed tim and he was like all right you're in venom <laughs> yeah, yeah you can keep your calm at that point and you're yeah. like damn there would have been a trail of some sort behind you oh I, I definitely inked but uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no it was uh it was a pretty full-on full-on experience but um it, it just it, it showed to tim that i've got kind of fairly calm in a situation like that so and I can keep my keep my cool. It does go bad, so I was kind of perfect for this environment. It'd be a liability for him. I mean, a lot of people that are interested in venomous snakes often sort of have that cowboy mentality, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about it earlier. It tends to go hand-in-hand hand with, with reptiles in general, and then venomous snakes is just that step up. It's a real shame, but uh, it tends to be that ego does just follow follow the venomous snakes, and you get that kind of bad stigma around it. Uh, I'm quite happy to be behind the scenes just doing my thing. Uh, this is what I've wanted to do since I was a little kid, so there's not a chance I want to ruin that by doing something silly. And They like me here because I follow the rules. The way John Weigel explains to so the owner of the park is there's there's a, a curved path. Uh, if you follow the path, you won't get bitten. It's when you cut that corner, and you may not get bitten on that one, but because you cut that corner, it makes it easy to cut the next one. And you cut the next one, you end up just cutting straight through it, and that's when you end up with a bad bite. So I'm um, just trying to follow the rules and trying to, Trying to continually keep up the um, the safety side of things up in this room is pretty high on my priority list. That's always good to hear. <laughs> so for, for all the people out there, what is your day-to-day work? What do you do when you come in these rooms? Uh, so in these rooms, um, we do a, a general te- uh, temperature check. So the first thing we do is walk in, check everything, make sure there's nothing out. Is probably pretty high up on that, <laughs> that list as well. <laughs> um, and then we'll just start cleaning. So majority of my job is um, cleaning enclosures. Like you got a, there's 250 snakes. They all eat. They all uh, poo, and it, it ends up end up ruining the enclosures. And like some snakes are the, the worst thing in the world. They'll paint the enclosure with their tail. I swear to God, and uh, that takes up majority of time. Um, apart from that, we extract venom on a fortnightly basis from every snake in the in the facility. So, kind of split the facility up into two sections: week A and week B. Uh, week A is coastal taipans and eastern browns, and after that, you kind of go home and have a pretty stiff drink. And uh, tiger snakes, adders, and king browns are the other the other end of the, the spectrum. We tend to do that so that you're not doing 250 snakes milkings in one day. Um, quite happy to do 100 or 125 or whatever it is. Um, makes it a lot safer. You're only doing it for a couple of hours, and then you can kind of relax and go back to cleaning and stuff like that. But it's it's all about following that routine week in week out, and a lot of people can't do that uh, just because it is so boring and kind of mundane for a majority of it. Like even though you you work on some of the most incredible animals on the planet. Um, doing the same thing over and over and over again, pretty full on, five days a week, like two weeks a year. Anything, yeah. yeah. Mm. How, do you, how do you get into the zone to milk all these like, taipans and browns and things? Um, it's kind of something that you just slip into. Like you kind of, you'll be joking around because um, there's, whenever we milk ties and browns, there's two people in the room and that's it. Like we lock doors, we seal it, seal everything off. Uh, you radio management to let them know that it's happening and then you give them a radio when it's all good. So basically what happens is like you'll be joking around um, with the other person in the room and then you go radio game on it just kind of goes all all very very serious and um like you'll you'll keep keep a little bit of banter going but it's it's very very concentrated on the task at hand it's one of those things that you don't go oh what's that over there or you almost shut out pretty much any other noise or distraction because like you have to concentrate with these animals um the taipans especially like they they're wicked quick they very rarely miss and uh, they know where to aim for. Like, they, they almost balk at you, so you flinch first and they have a dig. It's very full-on when we are milking. Um, 
like everything's set out exactly where it always is. It's very rarely change any part of the routine as well. Um, so we use the same equipment. Like there's there's a pinner that we all like. Um, there's pinners that we don't like, uh, and like you don't ever mix them up. Like if someone else comes up here, you give them the ones you don't like because you're protecting your stuff. <laughs> um, the hooks. There's certain hooks for certain animals. So like I'll only use one hook for all the tie pins, regardless of whatever's going on. Like I'll, I take it off whoever's using it. No, that's mine now. And I've got it for three hours. So like it's it's kind of yeah. You got to stick to that routine, otherwise it messes with your head too much as well. Mm. So like if something if something changes or something like kind of interrupts halfway through, you almost abort the rest of the, the thing just because you you have to stay in that kind of mode or routine or mood or whatever it is that you you're staying in. It has to it has to keep the same, and uh, very rarely does anything change out of that. So you know that you've saved lives by doing this. Ever received a card from somebody? Uh, never a card million dollars yeah. like <laughs> no definitely not that I've been uh, thanked three times so I've been up here three years so once a year is not bad um, but it always tends to happen when you're having the worst week as well so you've got stuff going at home or stuff going on in here or for example I was doing a show like things were going wrong up here milking session was bad I didn't get much venom I was a bit frustrated um, taking the tiger snake out of the pit, out of the enclosure to go down and do a milking in the show it pooed all over me so I smelt bad, I was frustrated, I was cranky. Down the show pit, just wasn't working. Like he was just, the snake was being a Muppet. Uh, I did the whole thing. We did the like the, the routine and milked him, put him away. And I, I was literally just about to walk up and I was just in a filthy mood. And uh, this guy comes up to me. So middle of school holidays as well, 1,500 people around the pit. Guy comes up to me and goes, oh, do you mind just hanging around for a sec? I'm like, got a tiger snake under an arm and a King Brown in a bag or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, can I shake your hand? I'm looking around, going, yeah, whatever. So I put, put the snakes in between my legs, like locked them in so nobody could touch them or anything like that. Like they're in boxes. And um, this guy goes, oh, I just want to shake your hand. You're the reason I'm still here. Uh, he'd, he'd been bitten by a tiger snake 12 months before, received three vials of antivenom, was going to die without the antivenom, and spoke no louder than I am now. And 1,500 people just go, whoa. Mm-hmm. And like at that time I'm nearly in tears like yeah. <laughs> thank you walk up take off but it's moments like that that make make every bad thing that ever happens in the room or in the rest of your life worth it um, I had another person who was able to bring in their children because they had received antivenom like she received it long before my time but um, I was the current guy and she, she thanked me and the predecessors for, for their um, commitment and uh, everything they've done for her so like she got bitten when she was 16 she was able to bring in her 18 year old daughter or whatever it is to the park so it's pretty interesting like that um but yeah it is very rare that we actually get to to meet people that have been uh affected by snake bite and um given antivenom stuff like that because obviously our patient our doctor patient privilege so we don't get to find out who it is or anything like that um and it's not unless you see them on the news or anything like that you kind of yeah that you meet anyone so it's pretty it's pretty incredible feeling when you actually do get to meet someone and there's not an infinite amount of antivenine out there, is there? No, no, no. It's a, it's a very short-lived product. Um, maximum about two years kind of lifespan or shelf life. So we have to consistently keep um, keep producing the venom and the antivenom for it. So it's pretty pretty full-on and pretty labour-intensive. So if you're thinking about picking up a wild snake and going all gung-ho... <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend not doing that. Um, <laughs> not to mention, antivenoms, it's an incredible incredible product but it's not a not a miracle worker so you've got to do the other stuff first if there is a bite uh there's no point in doing star jumps and trying to run back to the car or anything like that it's going to speed up that venom considerably if you are bitten or suspect you've been bitten wrap yourself up call an ambulance and get to hospital as soon as you can 
uh, in hospital they can decide whether you have been envenomated and whether you require antivenom um, but it's not that kind of miracle product it's uh it, it'll do the job but there there is actually tolls on the body as well and when you say wrap up that's not a tight wrapping is it it's just is it is it no, or is that the it's about the same tension or tightness as a sprained wrist or ankle so um in this room we've got bandages all around you which you can see in in boxes and stuff like that but uh we tend to use an indicator bandage so it's these bandages with little rectangles on them at the correct tension they stretch to a square so you can't put them on incorrectly so in that moment moment of panic um you can wrap up and have it the the right tension or tightness but it's basically the same as a sprained wrist or ankle uh, you want to go twice or three times around the bite site down to the end of the limb and then all the way back up uh, and that'll give you four five times the amount of time you'd have without the bandage so you're looking at a really bad bite, um, major envenomating, or envenomation, sorry. Um, anywhere, you can drop up to an hour. With that bandage, even with that severe envenomation, you're looking for five hours for you to get to hospital and receive antivenom. So it's pretty pretty incredible. Because that's just stopping it pumping around. Yeah, yeah. So uh, venom travels through your lymphatic system, not through the blood system. Um, so that's that little clear liquid that you, if you scratch yourself on a rose bush or something, that it pops out. Um, so with putting that um, compression bandage on, it'll basically stop that ability to push that lymphatic fluid around. Tourniquets don't work. We've seen that. The, the lymphatic fluid travels up to the tourniquet, stops for 30 seconds, and then keeps going. Whereas the compression over the entire limb will dramatically stop the efficiency of that system working. And then you just sit down, relax. Relax and get to get hospital to as quick as you can. Or get a hospital to you or yeah. get an ambulance to you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and that's that's a, a question we get asked a lot is, like, can we keep antivenom at home? and a, you wouldn't want it because it's fifteen hundred bucks a vial, and you don't know what snake's bitten you. And uh, B, you can have allergic reactions to it. So I think it's about two or three percent of the population has an allergic reaction to antivenom um, because it is an animal byproduct, like it's uh, it's horse proteins, or basically the, the immune system from a horse. Um, so you can have an allergic reaction to it, which uh, obviously you can't treat at home. They need you need to be in like a resus bay at hospital. So it's not kind of this this wonder drug that everyone can have. It's quite a controlled substance. And so many people wouldn't know what type of snake has bit them, would they, when they go to a hospital? Yeah, no. So one of the hardest ways to identify snakes in Australia is colour. Um, every snake comes in brown, everything comes in black, everything comes in banded. So uh, I've got a, a great photo, which I'll find for you a bit later on, that um, shows six or seven eastern browns, which are all completely different coloured. Like, unless you know what you're looking at, um, you, you have no idea what it could be. And uh, considering most of the venomous snakes kind of... Uh, entwined location so you can you can find the same species different species in the same location but you don't need to know either like uh, you don't need to take the head to hospital you don't need to try and catch the snake or anything like that um, in hospital they can take um, a swab of the bite side as long as you haven't either sucked on the the bite side or weed on it or poured bourbon on it or whatever people do <laughs> or, um, or cleaned it yeah you, you just want to put the bandage straight over the top of the bite so venom can't be um, absorbed through the skin uh, so if there's venom on your skin, you, you're all good. Um, you trying to suck on it puts venom in your mouth. If you've eaten uh, Smith's chips or crispy pizza the night before, you've got micro cuts in your mouth, and that's a second bite site. Obviously, you can't wrap that one, so not ideal. But uh, what we do is uh, you get to hospital, they can take a swab of the bite site, and they can generally tell what it is. If they can't do that for some reason, what they can do, they take the bloods, and they can generally figure it out from where you are when you were bitten. Uh, what symptoms you're showing and stuff like that and uh, worst case scenario they can give you what's called a polyvalent which is a, a broad spectrum antivenom that'll work for any Australian venomous snake or terrestrial venomous snake anyway so how many different types of antivenoms are there in Australia <laughs> uh, so we make uh, five family group specific so uh, brown taipan uh, death adder tiger snake and black snake antivenoms plus we make a polyvalent which is that broad spectrum one I've been talking about 
um, and that'll cover every Australian venomous snake in Australia, like those five family groups. Uh, it's a lot better to receive the, the monovalence or your, your, your five specific family group ones rather than your polyvalent, um, just because of the amount of antivenom you require. For example, a bad brown snake bite, you're looking at 2,000 units of venom, so you might, you'd have to receive 2,000 units of antivenom. Uh, if you were to receive the polyvalent, polyvalent's 40,000 units of antivenom, but only 1,000 of those units would work. So you'd have to still receive two vials of polyvalent, which is 80,000 units, and only 2,000 are helping you. The other 78,000 are just beating your kidneys and liver down with a sledgehammer. So not ideal to, to take that on. As well, um, the chance of anaphylaxis or uh, allergic reaction to the polyvalent is much higher than uh, with your monovalence just because of the sheer amount. Um, your body doesn't like it. But worst case scenario, you, you take it and you say thank you. So it saves your life? Yeah, it'll, 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 yeah, it'll still do the job. It's just better to receive the monovalence if they can figure out what it was. Are you involved with the spider milking? Uh, I do, I'm not allowed to milk male fauna webs. They don't trust me enough. It's good. <laughs> I, I'm quite happy with that. I, I don't want to sit over a jar for hours and hours. So you've got to work your way up to spiders. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I skipped a step somewhere, I think. But yeah, um, historically speaking, venom keepers, like venom snake keepers, are really heavy-handed when you come to spider milking. So they just don't worry about it anymore. You try and pin the spider. Yeah, yeah head, just grab, him and, <laughs> grab him and get him to bite on a jar. It'd be much easier. <laughs> That'd have to be pretty finicky milking a spider, I imagine. Yeah, well, you're using this little glass pipette. Like, I know how to do it, but um, yeah, I just not never tried it and not kind of put my hand up to do it either. <laughs> yeah. we wind, wind them up and then they suck off the yeah. The you, venom you literally just run the vacuum. run the vacuum, basically a little glass vacuum down the tip of the fang, and you know, collect the venom like that. So quite a bit different to our venomous snakes. We were having a look around last night when we just at frogs and lizards just mm. in the local area, and I forgot about Sydney funnel webs. Oh, the chance of you being bitten when you're just having a squeeze around, like you basically have to stick your finger underneath one. So they're useless at being a spider. They can't jump. They can't climb anything smooth. Their fangs are actually too long for their body, so they have to be curved. But unlike a rattlesnake, they can't flick the fangs out individually. They have to basically just drag their head up and then anything underneath them they can bite. But because of where their eyes are situated on the front of the top of the carapace, when they raise up, they're looking behind them. So as long as you don't touch them underneath, you're pretty well good. Um, The way people get bitten generally is um, in shoes. So you leave your shoes out the front. Males are walking around through summer and uh, they fall. They don't fall and they hide in the shoes when the sun comes up, being Mm. completely nocturnal animal. They'll actually dehydrate and die out in the sun. They hide in your shoes. Then you, 7.30 in the morning, you're already half hour late to work and you're you're trying to get in quick and you just don't check your shoe and next minute, wacko. There are many many bites? Um, We have quite a few. Um, Last year we had, um, I think it was like 100 or something like that like envenomations from funnel webs I don't know the exact exact amount but I think did Tim say 20,000 lives have been saved or yeah by by that by the venom program so Mm. we work off a rough uh, 200 to 300 lives per year from snake bite and we've been doing it since 1951 so it's pretty cool now you're pretty brave Swimming with tiger sharks, working oh. with venomous snakes. My parents say stupid, po- but... Po- poking tiger sharks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you ever work with any of the mammals here? Uh, I'm actually one of the only people who signed off on every animal at the park. Is that so right? That's pretty cool. I did, uh, when I was a bit younger, I did uh, a couple of weeks' work in mammals as um, kind of uh, payment for training on all their animals. So, yeah, I signed off with the cassowary, with the, the Tassie devils. Uh, I had to help uh, restrain a platypus the other day, so that was pretty interesting with their little venomous spikes and that. Yeah, yeah. Would you milk a platypus? Because they got like venomous spurs on their ankles. Yeah, the I know Tim. They? Tim has previously because uh, someone's asked for it, like a university or something, asked for some venom. So Tim's done it. I've never milked a flat, but I think it'd be an interesting experience. That's for sure. I, I saw an old black and white bit of footage of a bloke that had been. He'd, he'd go, I've been in X amount of wars and blah blah blah, and been shot, and he got 
spurred by a platypus and he said it was one of the most excruciating things he'd ever gone through yeah it's pretty pretty full on from everything i've kind of read about it i got um i heard about how nasty they were and i, I did a little bit of research and then uh, everyone i've kind of read into is basically asked for their arm or leg to be removed <laughs> like, they're in a lot of pain like you to get to the point where you no longer want an arm you're gonna be in a fair bit of pain it looks so cute yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it only the males yeah, so only the males, and to, to another plant, it only feels like a bee sting or something like that. So oh, wow. they've just kind of, they must have just evolved to get nastier and nastier as they went along because it wasn't working properly. Yeah, I heard somewhere that the, the toxicity of the venom's higher during breeding season. Yeah, no. probably. They get a oh. bit of uh, masculinity about them. Yeah, yeah. The Testosterone females, and, yeah. Yeah, the females have them when they're really young, but they fall off, apparently. So they probably still have the venom gland. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, the males have it in their thigh, but yeah, I don't know. We should talk about stuff we know about. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe ask Tim that one. Yeah, yeah. Good, good call. Um, what about koalas, mate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been set up here. <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually kind of petrified of koalas. It's a running joke at the reptile park. Big bad venom keeper, unlike koalas. But that all stems back from uh, when I was in, uh, yeah, you tend to in work experience here. I was raking the enclosure and there's a big male sitting there kind of looking at me, chewing on some gum leaves. And uh, like, as far as I was concerned, a koala climbs down a tree, walks across, climbs up another one. Like, a, that was what they did. They're just kind of big dopey bears. And uh, anyway, so I'm raking up. I look away, and then I look back at him. And uh, next minute, he jumps and like full drop bears. So in my head, he's attacking. So claws are out, teeth. He's gonna bite and carry on. So I've ducked. He's gone over the top of me, hit the ground, rolled, and then got cranky at me because I didn't catch him, and come charging back, growling at me. So I've bailed over the fence, and the mammals girls are just cracking up. And uh, I now know his name was Teddy, and he liked cuddles. But at the time, I'm, I knew nothing about koalas, and this thing was attacking me. So yeah. So I'm, you're still not that keen. No, I'm, I'm up until about six seven months ago i was like sweaty palms shaky like i couldn't go near him and wow. like i've kind of really had to work to the point where i can pick one up and even then there's a great photo of uh, me cruising around where both me and the choir look very uncomfortable looking at each other <laughs> like because he's used to being held nice and tight and i'm kind of like holding him as far away from me as possible and yeah he wasn't impressed <laughs> it surprises people when they see that how the koala can jump from one tree to another with such agility because yeah well i had no idea <laughs> next minute he's launching at me claws yeah yeah so, the koala had no idea that you were going to duck. Yeah, we were both equally as shocked. Yeah, very shocked. That one's now petrified of humans. Yeah, yeah just big gingers. <laughs> so you do educational shows here? Yeah, yeah so we do uh, a heap of different shows throughout the throughout the day, and uh, we do Venom shows through the weekends and on your uh, your school holidays and stuff like that. I love it. You get to go down and get to meet people. Otherwise, I'm stuck up in my room. Yeah, uh, that's good fun. That is a good part of it. All kids seem to know about rattlesnakes. All kids in Australia know it's they're pretty iconic snakes, the rattlesnake. And you you get them out to show kids? Yeah, so we've got uh, two Western Diamondbacks currently. Um, we take them out sol- solely for the educational um, shows. And the uh, reason being is they're, as you said, they're an iconic animal. Um, basically, everyone's heard of one or knows what they look like and or whatever. But uh, to be able to bring one out and go, um, because they are generally attributed with aggression, like, the rattle of the, the, the tail and they, they're going to try and bite you or whatever um, but it's quite the opposite so we get to, to take them out you put them in the pit and you can literally stand right back and then slowly wake your way further forward until they feel uncomfortable and then they rattle their tail at you you can come up with basically a line where 10 centimeters further close to them they feel uncomfortable they rattle 10 centimeters back they don't and uh, you get to explain to them if uh, if the rattlesnake wanted to come and bite he wouldn't be making a noise he'd be just hauling over you like they've got one of the fastest strikes on the planet or the fastest strike on the planet 
Um, he doesn't need to let you know he's there. He's basically trying to stop you from standing on him or hurting him. And uh, we can then kind of bring that back to our Australian snakes. And there's no better no better display than the Eastern Brown. Um, everyone's seen that famous photo where he's up all est up and mouth open and carrying on. That's basically him standing there with his arms shaking around going, hey, I'm here, leave me alone, don't come any closer. Um, so no snake is truly aggressive. Like no snake, if you put it in a room, it's going to come and try and bite you. They're going to try and get away. But if you corner it in a shed with you're coming at it with a shovel, it's going to come out swinging. And saying that, you corner me in a shed with a shovel, I'm going to come out swinging as well. <laughs> like uh, you got to look at it uh, from a snake's perspective. We're hundreds of times bigger than him and we're going to do serious damage to him if, if they do it. So they don't want to bite. Uh, for them to bite, you're in range of hurting them. So it's a last resort. Uh, of course, you get the odd snake that, um, that's got anger issues. Like you get the odd person. Well, you get a lot more than the odd person, but you get, uh, you get people with uh, like anger issues as well. But um, no snake's going to actively go out there and try and kill you. Like I go out looking for snakes in the bush, like, and most of the people here at the park do. We've never had a snake chase me or chase us. We've had a couple that look like they do were, but then you turn around, they've gone into their, their hollow. So mm. they know where their home is, and they've just gone hell for leather, head down, bum up, going as hard as they can for that house. By the time you've run 20 metres, looking back and seeing sticks flick up and convincing yourself it's a snake, you've then convinced yourself it's chased you for 50 metres and basically kept up with you, which just isn't the case. I guarantee I could outrun something if it started chasing me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it's it's a hard one. And you get people who are just convinced that there's certain snake, generally it's a uh, eastern brown or a king brown or just a brown snake in general, um, has actively hunted them down or remembered them from throwing rocks at him and stuff like that like it's just but it's isn't it only the ones that hybridize with pythons oh yeah those <laughs> ones are real nasty <laughs> yeah we get that a lot uh that the the browns and tigers are breeding together or that the the browns and carpet pythons are breeding together and hanging up in trees and but yeah it's it's a bit hard to kind of keep a straight face sometimes all of that out of the mouth of someone who fought a koala was jumping to attack him. Yeah, well, that's the way it is. I can now acknowledge that he wasn't doing that. Like, I, I completely get how some people are, uh, who believe that, but yeah, and I can't can't say anything with the whole koala thing. Like everyone here at the reptile park thinks I'm an idiot for it, but yeah, they're terrifying. <laughs> We're all scared of something. I'm scared of kids. I'm scared of responsibility. Yeah. We've all got something. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I once had a brown snake come straight for me. I didn't even think about what to do, and it went straight past me. And I think, like you said, it went into a hole on the ground. Hmm. Do you have a favourite animal that you love to work with? I've got a couple. Uh, there's a couple of the coastal taipans which are just absolutely incredible animals. Um, so we name any that have kind of certain personality traits or characteristics. Um, we've got one behind you guys called Base Jumper. It used to be in top enclosure. Everyone knows what base jumping is. Uh, that big pillow behind you as well was uh, basically a safety crash mat for him. So he was in the top enclosure, which is what, seven foot off the ground. You'd open the door and he'd come launching out and you had to either catch him or you had to let him hit the crash mat and grab him afterwards. Obviously, we've brought him down a couple of levels now. So, so obviously, he's pretty high up there. I love Whitey. Whitey's an ass, but I like him. Super naughty animal, just wants to have a nibble. But uh, he's got a lot, whole lot of um, personality towards him. And that's kind of, you relate that with intelligence almost because he'll sit there and watch you. Um, like you walk into the room and if he's kind of out and about he'll just sit there and watch you through the glass and it's kind of that's a little bit intimidating like most snakes you look at tiger snakes or king browns or whatever they kind of look at you and go, and go back to sleep and go sit on the, the warm but taipans in general will just stare at you which is kind of a bit bit unnerving and, yeah uh, I was yeah. looking at one earlier and it almost like I was moving to the left and to the right and it was following yeah they just they just focus like if you can get their attention they just focus on you they're very very similar to the king cobras in that matter mm. 
and then saying that like exotic wise you can't beat a king cobra for personality intelligence um to have one of those things turn around and look at you and like yeah properly look at you it's there's nothing like it in the world like they're just they're an incredible animal and you can see intelligence in them um which like a lot of people don't get to see that with reptiles like they just think they're cold-blooded kind of just cruising around killing machines but like king cobras and i'll get to work with two here at the park the big male on display roger and romulus who was up in the back here and uh mainly with romulus we take him down for educational displays as well and uh you basically he sits there and he stares at you and he hoods up and it's like yeah man you get right away wherever you want to go you can go like it's just it's an incredible animal like to have that much confidence in itself to just sit there and like not feel threatened or and just go yeah you'll move so i think that's really cool it's a beautiful snake Mm. Um, the one you've got on display in, mm. over here, an impressive animal. It's it's quite a, like it's in an enclosure, and that, but it's one of those things when you know a bit about snakes, like we do. Um, you, you look at that, and it is really quite intimidating. The the size of its head and the size of the animal. Oh yeah, he looks a, great. He's a looks very big boy. Mm. Um, when you when you clean his enclosure and he doesn't feel like letting you do it, it's pretty pretty hairy. Mm. So normally we try and lockbox him, but um, I think Timmy told you last week. I had to um, actually had to get him out, and thankfully he was a, he was a good boy. But I've had him on days when he didn't want to come out, and he's not a good boy then. Mm. Like you'll you'll open the door and he just sits there and guards it, and basically offers you a little bit of his tail, and you go, yeah, go on then, grab it, dare you, see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like and just like even just that confidence to just know exactly where you have to grab, and to have that just in front of his head, like go on then, I dare you. <laughs> so it's pretty pretty full on. Not actually a true cobra. No, so. Uh, mm. Yeah, Ophiophagus uh, Hanno instead of the, the Naja or Naya. Mm. I only found that out recently and I've been a lover of King Cobras for years and years, but it was only within the last couple of years that someone just said one day, it's not actually a true Cobra. Hmm. What? And, yeah, and it's pretty wild, it. isn't yeah, it? It's not, yeah, and it made sense as soon as you look at the name. You know? Yeah, of course it's, it's like not. A, What's King, it? King Brown. Yeah, exactly. King Brown, not a brown snake at all. Mm. But uh, I think they get that name, the whole King, from... Um, being a selective snake eater so you they're the kings so like they eat everything they want where king browns will eat bloody they'll punch on with uh tires or eastern browns and western browns and all that and they seem to be immune to the venom almost mm. so pretty interesting that's a that raises a question you always see um images and footage of goannas and venomous snakes fighting a venom a goannas immune to the venom of venomous snakes do you know uh, depends on the species and depends on what what uh, species they're protating upon. So a lot of wild king browns, especially top end ones, have got scars all over their body from punching on with um with monitors and they win. So like uh, your big king browns will grab it and just bulldog it and just inject copious amounts of venom, and um, their venom's kind of primarily to eat reptiles. So they've got those nice short, thick fangs, really really sharp, really sturdy, just to punch through scale. And yeah, so they're hunting um different reptiles which is pretty pretty full-on but if you get a like a brown snake which is a selective um rodent eater then sure uh, their venom's not going to be as effective on a reptile like um the venom will affect them differently so depending on what species is are uh, kind of in conflict with each other it depends on how how well they're going to survive and how well they're going to cope with it it makes sense mm. we happen to just we, we found out the same time as you mm. that you're going to india to romulus Whitaker's yeah, well, that that was pretty cool to walk into today. That, yeah, that was yeah. Got was into work jealous. and uh, Tim just kind of blurted it out. But yeah, so that that's going to be an incredible, um, incredible experience. I got to meet him um, at the the minutes to die 
screening uh, in Sydney, which was with uh, the Australian um, Hepatology Society. Yeah, that was an absolutely incredible thing. So, um, and I was very fortunate to meet, um, was it Ro- Rojan, the guy over in South Africa that recently passed away? I was very fortunate to meet him as well. And uh, I sat there and chatted to um, to Romulus for probably half hour, 40 minutes afterwards until um, the people that I was driving home and I went, come on, man, we've got to go. It's, <laughs> it's getting late. But um, yeah, he's an absolutely incredible, incredible man. And um, I've followed his, uh, his research and his work over in India for uh, basically as soon as I got up here, I started looking into it because um, when I first started, obviously I'd never touched a king cobra or anything like that. So I was trying to get as much information as possible. And it's it's going to be a massive honour to go over and work with him. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, work with his big king cobras and, and the gharial. Yeah, which would be yeah, yeah that's going to be jealous. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty incredible experience. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. The king cobra expert of the like he's the top guy in the world and um on wild kings anyway. Uh, just an absolutely incredible man. Um, and just been doing it for so many years. Yeah, it was a massive honour just to meet him, and I was proper fanboy and. <laughs> and uh, to get told I'm, I'm going over to work with him would be that's yeah dream come true so I, I held him up in the same kind of same regard as David Attenborough and all those guys pretty pretty mega yeah that's yeah. awesome unless I meet David and then, uh, <laughs> then he'll go up one more well you're not going to now you've just said no. that no it's <laughs> a shame <laughs> cool yeah that's awesome well deserved mate um yeah. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? You think this is the, the sort of job you could be doing for a, for another decade or two? Yeah, well, I've always told Tim and uh, the rest of the, the management at the park, this is, this is what I've wanted to do. There's not really much that would change, change that or change my opinion on that. There's things I want to improve and um, things I want to build on in this facility, which is um, pretty good. I've uh, started different techniques and uh, managed to increase venom yields by huge amounts and I'm um, I'd like to start getting into the more scientific side of things as well, kind of get up to the level of some of the other guys in the in the country and uh, be able to hold conversations with some of the other guys without getting lost, <laughs> which would be nice. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. If the reptile park will keep me, I'll stay here as long as they're, um, uh, I'm needed. And, yeah, I can't see myself really doing any other job um, than what I'm currently doing, which is pretty cool at my age, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Do you mind me asking? No, go for um, 25 in like a month, so... Wow, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, to have your dream job at 24, um, it's pretty incredible. I'm the youngest Venom supervisor, youngest guy to ever run this facility um, for the, the entirety of its program. So, Well, it's, mate, it's, that's it's, well-deserved. And yeah. they talk very highly of you yeah, in the do. office, mate. Yeah, so. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really good to know, and I've, I've worked very hard to earn that respect, but like it uh, hasn't come easy for sure. Being, being so young, uh, I have had challenges, but yeah, it's been really, really good. Nobody talks about what happened to the other Venom supervisors. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> there's a reason they pushed me Hang in, in so there, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Mate, thanks so much for showing us around and, and all the behind-the-scenes tour earlier too, Yeah, mate. no, more, more than welcome. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's go play with some rattlesnakes. <laughs> all right. And, uh, yeah, Zach, thank you. Too easy. Thanks. And, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks.